Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. One turnaround I go into, they think they've got a go-to-market problem and they really have a technology roadmap problem that's manifesting itself as a go-to-market problem. Another one, they thought they had a supply chain problem and they really had a go-to-market problem. Step one is being able to come in as an independent third party, really more objectively assess the situation and what got them to where they are right now. And then see if you can't guide everyone towards, to your point, asking a lot of thoughtful but directed questions to see how quickly you can get everyone congealed on a single problem statement that is actually the correct problem statement. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. You and Brian, your business partner, were brought into Profitero to create change. Am I right? Indeed. And, you know, change comes in lots of different forms. One of the books that I read when I started at Profitero was called The First 90 Days. I've read it so many times. I've got post-its and dog ears and everything all over it because I read books with my hand and my eyes. And there are five different types of companies that you can come into when you're brought in. Startup turnaround accelerated growth, restructure, sustained growth. I hope I got that right. Either way, it's close enough. When you come in for change management, sometimes you think you're getting one, but you get something else. You just kind of don't know which one it is. This is why you have to take the first 90 days. Hence, read the book. But yeah, turnaround or accelerated, no matter what it is, they each come with their own set of challenges and opportunities. Well, I imagine that the hardest part of the turnaround is getting people to buy into the change you're trying to create. Yeah, 100%. Look, people want to believe. They want something that's memorable, that's meaningful to them. And it's not just, hey, we're going to turn around this company so it's going to be profitable. Like, okay, well, that's great. But I'm like 25 years old. I just want to know, am I getting my bonus? Am I not getting my bonus? And when is my next review? (laughs) Or am I getting a new boss? Are you getting rid of the unlimited vacation policy? I really don't give a shit whether or not you're going to be a profitable company or not. That's my problem as president of the company. What does it mean to them? Leaders have followers. You got to create a reason to follow. Well, a great turnaround story to look into is around Dell. Like if you think about Dell in the 90s, the early 2000s, they were sort of in their heyday. 
And then a whole slew of new companies came to market and they might have lost their footing a bit. And we're about to bring Chris Calgar onto the show, who's a boomeranger, started his career in the 90s in Dell, and then did not return until 2019 to turn around Dell.com. So let's listen to how he did it. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Morning, Rachel. Good morning, Sarah. Glad to be here. In preparation for the interview, I found something that is fairly unusual on your resume, which is that you're a boomeranger at Dell. You were first there between the years of 1998 and 2009, which in my mind is probably some of the heyday years of Dell. And then you rejoined in 2019 to lead Dell.com. What caused you to return? Yeah, a lot of people ask me that, although I will say Dell is replete with boomerangers. So I'm one of many. So I think what what ultimately brought me back is what brings back a lot of my fellow boomerangers. And for me, hopefully the answer doesn't sound too corny or cheesy, but it really is the people and the talent and the quality of professionals that you kind of work with across any function every single day. So I was reminded of this quote Michael Dell had at one point, not to too shamelessly use the boss's quotes, but at one point I saw a quote from him that said, hey, if you find yourself frequently as the smartest person in the room, you need to find a new room. And through the 10 years that I was doing a lot of the middle market kind of technology and and CE turnaround stuff, I was quite frankly and honestly finding myself as the smartest person in a lot of rooms and actually didn't like that right? It didn't feel good when you're like, it put an undue amount of pressure on what you were going to specifically think of and or envision or do as part of a turnaround versus being part of a much larger collective that was probably going to have all the creativity, all the, the solutions, and you're just kind of helping them think through phase and, and prioritize. So it was really wanting to get back to not being the smartest person in the room. And I'm very proud now after being back for almost exactly four years to say, I don't think I've ever been the smartest person in a Dell room since I've been back. But that's why the quality of the people and the work they do is just outstanding. Definitely tell you, Robotero, I have never been the smartest person in the room. And sometimes it would be nice if once or twice you might be. I'm just saying a little balance is not so bad, right? Yeah. Like just here and there, just just to do a little reaffirmation, a little self-confidence booster. But- yeah, I, I get by that every once in a while. I'm the person in the room with 51% of the decision-making authority. And so that's how I feel better about not necessarily being the smartest. When you get to a certain point of leadership, it's about having the right questions, not necessarily having the right answers. So you're not going to be the smartest, but you'll have the most muscle memory to know kind of what are the right questions to ask to these smart people and then and then kind of get it there. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You've mentioned a couple of times the word turnaround. When going through turnarounds, whether, you know, at past chapters or current, there's a lot of questions you have to answer. And whether you're the smartest person in the room or not, there are clues, clues that you kind of need to find so that you can get to the root cause of whatever it is that's gotten you to this point, as well as unearth the opportunities. You finally find the opportunities. You, you try to figure out how to piece together this complex puzzle, because if it was just complicated but not complex, they probably you know would have figured it out by now. Big part of that, though, is let's say you, you've got your, your plan. You got to get people to follow said plan. Right. 
help us understand how you've gone about turnarounds, some, especially as there are so many companies right now that are thinking through how do we reimagine based on some new realities? Yeah, good question. Three-step process. And all of them are really, really simple, but it still amazes me how many people don't follow either one or in some cases, all of the steps. First one, and you kind of alluded to this in the context of asking the question is align on the problem statement. All three of the middle market turnarounds that I did, that was the first problem where there either wasn't alignment on the problem statement itself or, or what was really going on, what were they trying to fix? But in some cases, even when they were aligned on it, they were aligned on the wrong one. Um, so one turnaround I go into, they think they've got a go-to-market problem and they really have a technology roadmap problem that's manifesting itself as a go-to-market problem. Another one, they thought they had a supply chain problem and they really had a go-to-market problem. Step one is being able to come in as an independent third party, really more objectively assess the situation and what got them to where they are right now. And then see if you can't guide everyone towards, to your point, asking a lot of thoughtful but directed questions to see how quickly you can get everyone congealed on a single problem statement that is actually the correct problem statement. Next is making sure everyone's clear on their role that they will play in addressing the problem statement. This would be true from a CEO seat or even kind of coming back as the econ guy at Dell. And each one of these, there are different cross-functional partners, a lot of whom don't even sometimes understand why they're in the room. Like I'm the manufacturing guy and you just said, this is a go-to-market problem. Why am I here? Coming back to Dell, it was, I'm the product data person. This is a Dell.com problem. Why am I here? I'm the supply chain person at Dell. Why am I here? And a lot of time it, it's they're not connecting the dots of no, it's not specifically first order what you're doing that's impacting the problem or how you need to change or amend your function strategy. But currently your function strategy is manifesting itself as an issue on the glass in this particular way. So kind of really breaking through the second and third order impacts of what various functions have on the problem statement, I think is also important. And the final and fun one that I have, and this usually kind of helps bring people together more, I'd say personally or emotionally, is see if we can't summarize the solution to our problem statement on a bumper sticker. <laughs> so I can't tell you how many times I've seen a strategy deck right? Like 15 slides where they go through, here's the 37 things that are really important to us and we're going to focus on. I'm like, oh my God, anytime you're asking human beings to align around 37 things and I'll get on board, it doesn't really work. So I kind of have this little trick that I've been doing for a while now, which is if I can't put the strategy on a bumper sticker, it ain't going to work, right? People won't be able to identify and rally around it. And I'm looking down at my PC right now where I've actually got a bumper sticker. We most recently from a couple of years ago, had a strategy bumper sticker competition at Dell to figure out what was the best way to talk about how we needed to unify all of our corporate domains, how we needed to converge our B2C and our B2B commerce platforms, et cetera. How do we bring all of this strategy, more of the technology strategy together in a bumper sticker? And somebody who wasn't even on the e-com side of the business, it was one of our cross-functional partners came in and came up with Dell.com all in one, one for all. So we uh, literally made like a thousand bumper stickers and now kind of anyone remotely related to e-commerce is running around with these big 
Dell.com all in one, one for all bumper stickers. So align on the problem, make sure everyone knows what their role is in solving it and see if you can't get it all on a bumper sticker. Two things I want to follow up here. One is specific to Dell.com. When you were at Dell, it did feel like the heyday. And then a lot of things happened between the years of 2009 and 2019, really the rise of direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. And it felt like maybe Dell lost some of its momentum during that time and Apple really took force. And so was that a problem statement? Like when you entered, was it, how do we take down Apple? I'm not sure if, if it was Michael or the head of our client services group, which is basically 60% of the company's PL. But someone coined the term like, we used to be the OG of online and we aren't on the list anymore. So I think someone was reviewing a list, your point on kind of the, the top B2C e-commerce sites and entities in the world. And I don't know if it was a top 10 or a top 20 or a top 50 or whatever it is, but Dell.com wasn't even on the list. And that really, in particular with our founder, didn't sit very well. And again, there was this phrase in the spirit of bumper stickers. We used to be the OG. We were doing B2C e-com when it wasn't even a thing. And now we're not on the list. We got to go fix that. So I think that was absolutely part of the problem statement, if not the problem statement defined at a 100,000 foot level right around the time that I was coming back. Yeah, those clear rallying cries, especially when it's a list or it's a competition, seems to really be effective. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Point number two in your framework, making sure everyone understands their role in this journey. How do you also just approach change management in the sense that these things take time? Some people might not have the patience or appetite for it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's why I'm a real stickler for the BMS that goes around the change, the business management system, right? And so what are the cadences from scrums and stand-ups through kind of more formal dashboard reviews and operational reviews? We're not like you're killing yourself with a meeting schedule or death by PowerPoint or whatever. A lot of these, they're purely verbal conversations, of, you know, people discussing problems without any other kind of uh, digital or, or other content. But making sure there is that very rigorous BMS of when 
various members of the effort are getting together at what frequency to discuss exactly what and arrive at exactly what decisions of who's going to do what by when is a rigor that always needs to be there to hold people regularly accountable, force people to be regularly visible. A lot of people like to go to a kickoff and then periodically go for a quarterly check-in and they're completely punched out in the interim. And having that rigorous BMS that forces everyone to be present and accountable and visible regularly throughout the process, I think is absolutely critical. I love that you just said who will do it by when, because that is my bumper sticker so much so that I have had not one, but two of my employees get me not bumper stickers, but mugs <laughs> who will do what by when, but just in the extremely long acronym of WWDWBW. So clearly, <laughs> it's clearly much shorter. But I need to branch out into coffee mugs, not to interrupt, but I've been so fixated on bumper stickers. I guess T-shirts would work well, too. So maybe it's like it's got to fit on company swag is maybe yeah. a broader and category. You see the T-shirt, you got to deal with sizing. It's like a whole issue. Rachel and I deal with this with our swag problems. We have legit first world problems on like what is <laughs> to put our bumper sticker message. I'm a big fan of your bumper sticker. A, it is economical. B, it is easy to understand. So totally with you. And again, when people start repeating stuff back to you in a way that is 100% mocking you right to your face, that's when you know it's actually sticking. Yeah. I love it when I have my own strategy dictated back to me. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, I, I would love to kind of go into, you know, in the whole idea of getting everybody aligned in that same battle rhythm of, and I love your BMS stuff. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm totally buying what you're selling here. When you have a lot of those kinds of systems like that, it's very good once you're not just in a group, but once everybody's aligned on the strategy and then like crazy stuff happens and things are unexpected and get thrown into it. Like for example, perhaps a goal once in a century pandemic, hmm. you were at Dell when the pandemic hit when e-com sales, whether B2B or B2C, started going through the roof, particularly with consumer electronics as everybody was outfitting their homes. We're coming up on like three years since people re-outfitted their homes. What's the thought process around people as we both look into back to school and into Q4? Is it time for everybody to refresh their home? Are you seeing those demand signals coming up? Yeah, it's a good question that we ask ourselves in, in the broader industry almost daily. So let, let me give you a couple thoughts on that. One of the good things for us, and I think that makes us very different as an e-tailer, is the breadth of the portfolio that we sell. So we're probably best known at Dell Technologies for Dell.com. Dude, you're getting a Dell. We're selling desktops, laptops, monitors, more of the PC space. And we certainly do sell a lot of those. But we sell a lot of other stuff, right? We sell software and peripherals. We sell servers. We sell complex storage. We sell multi-cloud solutions. We sell professional and enterprise services. So even when we're maybe not selling as many PCs as we did in the pandemic, we still sell a lot of other stuff. And the good news for us is that other stuff, thankfully, ends up being a lot more profitable than a PC. So we've got that going for us, which is nice. In terms of those staying closer to that PC ecosystem in, in the home office and everything, yes, I'm very hopeful that now going into next year, within the next six months, I think we're actually four years into the cycle. If you kind of really look at pandemic 
panic buying starting in March of 2020, you really are starting to get to the outer edge of the replacement cycle. I think you know a lot of people were were very hopeful that it would be a three year replacement cycle. I think those of us a little more grounded in reality probably figured it was more four to five. Yes, to your point, we're getting much more firmly into that replacement zone. In the interim, though, what we've seen kind of progressively really since the initial panic wave, for lack of a better way to put it, is the mix of what we sell in that space got a lot better. So if you go back to, say, March through October of 2020, everyone just needed a PC, a monitor, a keyboard, a mouse, right? Just whatever anyone had rudimentary setup for their home kit. And what we've seen progressively since then is on the PC side, for those who are more lead users and early refreshers, they had a PC, but now they want a better one. People who had a monitor really wanted a two monitor or a four monitor setup, or in many cases, they wanted multiple more monitors and they wanted better monitors with four or 6K integrated cameras and everything else, or they got a wired keyboard and mouse from their company, and they really want kind of more of a sleek design, wireless keyboard and mouse setup. So kind of progressively through that, you could just see this, particularly on the software and peripheral side of the business, you could see people better kidding themselves out for their home setup. And sometimes they're doing that through their company, and sometimes they're just doing that for themselves personally. But really seeing a change in mix to things home offices that are much more premium. And I know on the company side that an enormous part of the business is B2B as well. Chris, we have to ask you our famous last question, which is what's the bravest thing you've ever done? It's a fine line between bravery and stupidity, I think somebody (laughs) famous said once. So it was leaving the, the warm, comfy blanket of big tech. So after 10 or 11 years at Dell, I did a few years as head of America's sales at AMD which I would still consider big tech. It was still in Austin, Texas. Making that first leap to the first middle market turnaround, and in particular, a relatively distressed or acutely distressed is maybe a better way to put it, middle market turnaround in an industry I was not familiar with, a technology roadmap and product type that I was not familiar with, a very unique ownership and capital structure that I was not familiar with. I think was the bravest thing I ever did. I won't say that was the most successful stint (laughs) of my career. Chapter 11 for dummies kind of study that had to go on through in there. But I am glad I made the leap. And I tell a lot of people that at Dell today, they're like, oh, you know, if you stay, you know, you and Michael Dell would be hanging out every day. And I'm like, no, I think I think I'd probably be gone (laughs) if I if I tried to stay longer. I wouldn't have been as useful. I learned so much from some of these acute distress situations and constantly being in a position of discomfort and not being able to kind of repeat similar experiences over and over again, but actually really learn personally and professionally as I went through it. I think that's that's why, you know, I've been able to enjoy the the reasonable success I've had since since I've come back. And I don't think I would have been as good at that if I hadn't made that bold move, if I hadn't been brave and do something that really made me uncomfortable. Love it. Well, Sarah and I can relate in terms of career moves with resilience and grit and growth. Everyone, if you are in the market 
to buy new hardware, upgrade your home office or work office, you know where to find Chris, Dell.com. If you loved hearing about turnaround stories, we'd certainly have more episodes that covered that. Explore totally different industries. Go check out Andy Markowitz from the New York Mets on how their entire go-to-market and relationship with fans has changed, as well as go check out an episode with Whitney Cooper from Walmart around Walmart's reimagining of their entire Omni strategy and how they work with brand manufacturers. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, write us a review, give us a like. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking touch of truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts new episodes come out every tuesday i do hope to see you there